Hey, it's Dave Torres, real, real estate agent. So it's just a couple of agents that will sit around and talk about actual, honestly, God, like real estate stuff, not the you know fancy shit that everybody else seems to talk about. Well, welcome, Todd. Thank you very much. So this is the first episode of the Realist Real Estate Agent. Um, so, Todd, tell us a little bit about you. Oh man. Todd Watkins, obviously. Uh, my area that I cover, I'm over in southeastern Washington. So uh, Kennewick, Richland, Pasco areas. But uh, with my myself and my team, we actually range to quite a large area as well, up to 80 miles kind of to the northwest of us, if, if that's a good way to put it. Um up to Yakima and then all the way down to the city. That's so nice. They named it twice, Walla Walla. So um <laughs> <laughs> which is if you ask them they are the napa valley of uh of the wine here in washington so but that's uh, awesome yeah well, I, I thought they were known for onions well there's the walla walla sweets as well that's true so yep. yeah since yeah, so then they've nobody grows onions they just grow they grow uh grapes now and uh and brew it so yeah, that's but, pretty uh, funny. So, so they they uh, they don't want to be known as like the onion capital anymore. They, yeah. they want to be. <laughs> no, they still there's the Walla Walla sweets are still around, but uh, yeah. there's a lot more money in wine, I think, than there is in, in onions. So, but I mean, I am neither a wine connoisseur or onion connoisseur unless it's on uh, comes with my steak and and mushrooms. So, yeah. but uh, those are they the should, those are the ones should, to go with. They should make uh, onion wine. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> It reminds me of uh, Napoleon Dynamite when he was judging the uh, the cow's milk, and he's like, "Oh, this one tastes like a cow got into an onion patch." Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I uh, uh, I think it took me like six or seven years after that came out before I actually saw that. Yeah. But, oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. When and I was just gonna make the comment too. Uh, you know, like with the big range that you go out. Uh, yes. Uh, in Washington. It's kind of funny because I don't think like a lot of people like in southern states or like even some of the Midwest states understand like when you get into the northern states, you kind of like cover a big area, a right. really big area. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You talk to people like, say, agents in Southern California or, or whatever, they'll drive 45 minutes to go, you know, five miles. I mean, but we're, you know, when I'm saying I'm driving, you know, an hour to get to an appointment, it's because it's it's all high highway. You yeah. know, 75 to maybe 90 miles an hour, depending on yeah. how the roads are. Right yeah. now, we're we're a little closer to the speed limit with it being icy and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so, but you're, I mean, we're, it's a good 90 mile range. And so yeah. I kind of, my area I live in between, and it's three different MLSs that we're in as well Yeah. Uh, with that there. So, but That's you know, cool. it's awesome. It opens things up and uh, um, tons of, tons of opportunities for it, for yeah. sure. You get a lot of people moving in from out of state. We do. So yeah, I mean, we get people moving in, but you know, we're with where we are, we've also got a nuclear power plant that's, uh, that's right there in Richland, Washington. It's called the Hanford uh, nuclear power plant mm -hmm. and a fun, fun little useless fact for you, but it actually created the plutonium that they dropped in the uh, fat boy for world war two. Oh, interesting. So yeah. So yeah. And so that, uh, that had Washington plutonium. In it. Oh yeah. Washington plutonium all over it. So yeah. uh, with it and, uh, and what's even more fun that uh, I guess, you know, since we're unfiltered here, right. Not being politically correct. Nope. One of our high schools there, the, it's called the Richland bombers mm -hmm. in there. And their logo is the mushroom cloud insignia. So 
it's uh many people have tried to change it saying this is horrible you need to but it's like yeah this is our roots yeah. so and uh they're not changing <laughs> yeah i i can imagine not i so. mean we yeah we we have uh um we have we have some stuff like that up here in montana but yeah with people getting bothered about like the red skins i'm sure that they're bothered about like, oh my gosh big mushrooms mushroom yeah. cloud yeah yeah so, so what do you what are you seeing in the market what's going on over there Oh, well, you know, with where we are locally, uh, you know, activity sales are down by about 50%. Um, you know, in, in our area, we're a little bit more fortunate because we're kind of insulated with the nuclear power plant. We get several billion dollars a year injected into our uh, into the economy with, with things that are there. But still, you know, um, from January to July of this year, home values went up by 10%. And now they've dropped probably 10, maybe 12% uh, with interest rates going, you know, overnight from three to, to basically 7%. And, uh, and so it's really, it's kind of paused home values, like the, just the straight up skyrocket of, of home value appreciation, but it's, it's kind of paused things a little bit. And, and, uh, but, you know, we've got more inventory now, there's a lot more options and we're having a lot of fun with buyers. I mean, it's basically, I feel like this is a lot of the work and things that we're doing are basically what we had to do when the market crashed in 07 and 08. It's, it's a lot of the same work where it's a, it's basically, you've just got to have the attitude of do whatever you got to do to get it done. You know, and it doesn't matter what price point, you know, over the last five years, I could have been a little bit more of a princess and been like, ah, you know what, guys, if you want to buy a home under 300,000, I'm sorry, there just isn't the option to help you. Um, but now uh, those are, you know, the the 250 to $400,000 price range is just red hot. I mean, there's, that's where most of the buyers are. Yep. And uh, it, it's, it's been pretty good. I mean, all the other markets are still available too, but man, those higher end ones are, ultra competitive it's uh it's interesting to see yeah yeah uh, we yeah because the the buyers that were looking like five to six hundred thousand that were financing right with the interest rates going up going up they got dropped down to like you know 300 to 400 yeah best case scenario yeah, yeah it is it's just and it's just crazy things are things are changing i mean i know as you know david we've both been in for crud almost 20 years now and and when we first got into it and this is how crazy this is right just to kind of back up i'm going to date myself here a little bit <laughs> but i can remember when i graduated high school um i got a beeper and i thought i was cool so now most people here probably don't even know what a beeper is, but it's what is a beeper? you know, basically you had a little, a little electronic device, right? Kind of look like, I don't know, the, maybe an oversized package of gum, if that's a good way to put it size wise, mm-hmm. but basically you would just call in, dial into the number and hit a code and text out whatever your message was or, or tell them, call the service and the service would type in and send. This was like the first text message, like really like the first real text message mm-hmm. that you got, right? Just from a beeper. And uh, and so like there was no cell phones. Like it was just like you were the cool kid if you had a beeper or yeah. a pager. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because I remember that too. Like the only uh, people, the only people that had beepers uh, was law enforcement and doctors. Yeah. Law so enforcement and doctors. Yeah. If you weren't, if you weren't like a, a, a cop or a doctor and you had like a pager or beeper. Right. You're a pretty big fucking deal. 
oh yeah big deal. Yeah, yeah you were you were definitely one of the cool kids for sure so but yeah, yeah that was just I remember you know I mean that was just getting out of high school and getting that and I thought that was just the coolest thing ever so yeah. and here we are you know fast forward and I I guess let me back up just looking at that that's just as crazy how technology has advanced just in 20 years, um, 20, you know, over the last 25 years, your real estate is gone, you know, cause we look at it and we're going like, how in the world did real estate agents do uh, real estate work without the MLS, like without the internet, without having a cell phone? I mean, you just, that was, <laughs> what was a book? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, you had like an MLS book and you had to send the sheets to every office. So all the agents knew yeah. uh, with that and, and things moved a lot quicker or a lot yeah. slower, excuse me, back then too, when it came to putting homes up for sale and different things. And so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome with all the technologies that we have and that we, that we use now yeah. um, to really to make, make our life simpler, but not only just simpler, but um, you know, crud more wealthy too. It's, yeah. it's even if we do less transactions now, we make more money than, than we, what we would have before. Yeah, it's true. But I would say that and I agree with you in a, in a lot of the cases, but there's there's one big case that I actually do disagree is that I, the stuff with technology, in my opinion, yeah, it's made real estate agents' life. <laughs> made it. <laughs> yeah, because I remember like during the downturn, uh, 2008 to 2014. I mean, I saw like real estate agents that were talking about, um, you know, like their value prop, and their value yeah. prop was I'm available seven days a week. 24 hours a day, 365. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so then what happened is that that became like more of a prevalent thing. And then of course, like, as we're dealing with our clients, the vast majority of our clients, yeah, yeah. they expect that we're going to be, we're going to be available at nine o'clock at night. Yeah. You know, so when they're, when they're like, you know, half, you know, and they're like, you know, and you know, five or 10 drinks into the night, you know, that they're like, Oh, I'm going to call the, I'm going to call the real estate agent up. So like, oh, my guy. yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I think in that that particular aspect of of technology and real estate sales, like um, because agents didn't really know like how to deal with that. And they didn't know how to tell their clients like like you don't understand, like six o'clock, like I'm I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not taking calls. I'm not doing any of that stuff. And during that period, we trained the entire population of buyers and sellers to basically kind of like treat us like right oh yeah no there's there definitely is a lot of that for yeah. sure because it's I mean, because everything became so much more available at their fingertips the perception is, is that they don't need a realtor um to to do a lot of stuff which is you know i mean of course being a realtor i would totally disagree um i mean yeah you can look at zillow or realtor.com and get online and and, and look at properties that are there but Honestly, like you guys still need a real estate professional to interpret the market, to be able to understand like each subdivision or what the feel is for, for different things that are actually going on and, and with that. And so you, you know, the computer mm -hmm. programs aren't going to do that for you. And that's, yeah. that's what they're paying people for. It's, it's almost like the, uh, Oh, the good analogy where the the computer tech right repair guy came into that high that exec's office where I'm sure we've all heard it where you know where his screen wasn't working and you know paying. I haven't heard this one. Oh, you haven't heard? Okay, but basically, okay. So, so uh, there's a president of some company or something, and he came in 
was having issues with this computer. And so he, they hired a computer guy to come in and uh, come fix the screen so that it would work. And so guy came in, took a look at it, kind of touched the screen a little bit, looked at everything, pulled out a hammer, right? And just gave it a whack. And then the screen came back on. And so then, of course, the the exec was just like, and then he gave him his bill and the exec's going, this is crazy. You took only two minutes to fix this, but, you know, you're now charging me, you know, like $500 for it or whatever. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so, and of course, the sales guy or the repair guy said, said, well, sir, he said, you're not paying me for my time. He says, yeah, I mean, it was a $75 trip charge to get here. I said, but the rest of this is you were paying me for my knowledge to fix your problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, that's, that's really what a, a real, a good realtor does for you. I mean, yes, there are a lot of bad realtors and, and I agree with you, David, in the sense that technology has really um, masked a lot of, has helped breed a lot of weak realtors, yeah. you know, before, I mean, crud, before we even got into it, you know, 70 in the seventies, the eighties, realtors had to pre-qualify the buyers, you know, their clients before they did that. I could bet you 99% of the realtors out there don't even know how to pre-qualify a buyer before they before they go show a home or go work or, or with the client or do anything, mm -hmm. and uh, and so and a lot of it's just technology because things are so much more readily available. Yeah, people don't need to know everything, and uh, they just you know and it breeds a, a weaker salesperson. Yeah, it's true. Well, here's a here's a real life example. This just happened. Uh, when was it? Uh, what was this last week? I guess it would be Thursday. Yeah, so yeah. it was on Thursday. Um, I got a lead that came through. And so, you know, naturally I called him. Okay. And uh <laughs> we'll get some more tissue. Sorry. I'm oh, no. sorry. No, it's all good. Give man. me one sec, Dave here. Yep. Okay, go. My son came over to me with a bloody nose here. Oh no. Yeah, take your time. Sorry, I sent him to go get more toilet paper. Yeah, no, that's good. It's funny too, you know, I I look at that because I don't have any kids. Yeah. And uh I yeah, I kudos to you, man. Kudos to you. Because if my kid came in with bloody nose, I'd be like, what the <laughs> happened? Oh, come here. I can tell you what happened. He was digging for gold. He got he went too deep. He fit mm. he, he hit oil. Yeah. Yep. Oh. That's funny stuff. Come here. Did you see the guy? Um, it was in the World Cup. He's like now like the like the meme king of the world that was running around out in the field on one of the games with a tampon shoved up his nose. No. Yeah. No, apparently I missed that. Yeah, one of my <laughs> one of my friends showed that to me. He was like, yeah, so uh, this this guy is gonna be forever known as like tampon nose guy. That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Hey, look up. Wrong one. Wrong one. Alright, should we both? What's, what's funny about this too? And I, I think that I think that we'll probably we'll probably leave this in only because of this is that uh, I think that uh, well it's probably because you don't pick your pick that one deep enough huh are you using your left hand or your right hand to pick your nose oh that one you use oh okay that's good to know all right hey, let's sit back down on the couch you should be okay now with your little. All right, we got more backup here if we need anything for you. All right, buddy. Okay, keep your finger out of your nose. That's so funny. That's real life real estate age and stuff right there. <laughs>
Yeah, like, that is not well. scripted. That is, uh, you can't script that at all. Nope. Nope. Oh, nope. Man. No, it's it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. Um, I forgot where I was. Uh, I, I we were talking about what were we talking about? Pre-qualification. Yeah, pre-qualifying. Yeah, I think we were talking about pre-qualifying. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So this is a story. So this last Thursday, um, I get a lead. I, of course, follow up on the lead and I'm talking to her. Nice gal. Had a yeah. great conversation. And so, you know, one of the last questions I ask in the pre-qualification, are you contractually obligated to another real estate agent? Uh-huh. And and so, I you know, of course, that. yeah, yeah. And she gave me the, you know, the great hesitation. Uh, I was like, oh, sh-. she's yeah. working with another realtor. And she said, I actually am not contractually obligated. However, I've looked at a few houses with another real estate agent. We've made a few offers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, so you've made a few offers, but you're not contractually obligated to them. So did did you not sign a buyer broker in your in, in your document package? Yeah. And she was like, that doesn't sound familiar. And I was like, oh, well, how about this? Check that. Yeah, I was like, you. Yeah, I was like, that seems really strange. And uh, so she called me back later, mm-hmm. and uh, she she actually sent me over all of the documents that she signed. Okay, which I thought was interesting, you yeah. know, because I mean, she doesn't know me. I could be like, I could, I could be a total scam artist. But sure. she sent them over, and I was looking through, and golly gee, there was no buyer broker, there was no relationships form, there you was know, nothing. It yeah. doesn't surprise me, man. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, it surprise was, me at all. It because, was the craziest thing. Yeah. It, it's, I'm totally going to get on a soapbox here, David. Yeah, do but it. I, I would say 95, maybe 97% of agents, they're too afraid. They're concerned if they ask the agent to commit or the buyer to commit to them, then they're going to lose the business. Yeah. But, you know, I'm of the opinion, well, guess what? You didn't have the business to begin with. I mean, now I have I have lost a couple of buyers just this year because they refused to sign a buyer rep agreement. And, and I, you know, and, and uh, I don't tell them to say, hey, look, I get like, you know, maybe we need to go look at a couple of homes before you decide to commit to me. I said, but at some point we're going to I'm, I'm, you know, I'll give you I'll go show you a couple of homes, but I am going to ask you to enter into an agency in, uh, relationship with us. Yep. So because it's. Uh, you know, well, this is, we, we need to create that. We need to create that relationship. I said, you know, you, you'd have the same thing with your doctor, with an attorney, yeah. um, with, with a CPA, with anything else, unless you have that relationship set and set in, in place, they're, they're not going to do any work for you. I said, and yeah. it's the same thing for us. Like we work for you basically, you know, for free um, in the sense that, uh, you know, we're, we're here hoping that you'll agree to have us help you fill out the paperwork because whoever fills out the contract for you is who's going to get the commission. Um, And that's, and that's basically what it is. And so, but, but I, I will go one step further, one step deeper is that most realtors will not admit they, that they're a salesperson. They are just like, we are not salespeople. That's such, Ooh, that's such an icky term. And it's just like, no, like that's not, icky at all everybody knows you as a salesperson and until you embrace it and actually um go on a lifelong journey of commitment to better yourself like we're going to continue to have this negative rap where realtors are just one step above a used car salesman sure so and uh not to not not to dog those used car salesman people out there so i've 
I got a ton of clients who are used car salespeople and they make used car salesman jokes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. It's I, you know what? In some days, David, I, I, I hate to I'm admit this on a, on a video here, but you know what? Like one sales line that I can never use unless I was a car salesman. I've always thought was like the greatest, like closing line is if somebody was trying to decide whether they want to buy a house or buy a car so that I could come in with the closing line and just be like, well, you know what? You can't drive your house, but you can certainly sleep in your car. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, that might not, you could probably, you could probably say that to a few people, but not everybody. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 That's funny stuff. Um, here's something that I heard and I love this. Uh, and this was early on in my sales career. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about my sales career too is that I'm I'm self-trained. Yeah. Uh, so not I I guess let me amend that. So the the first half of my career, I didn't know that I didn't know. Right. So just yes. lived in like total ignorance. You know, like I don't even know that I didn't know anything. Yeah. And um I was lucky enough to be the son of a salesman. And so I I called my dad and I was like, I guess I'm not really understanding like what's going on. And and if you were to point me towards a resource, like where would you point me? Then he gave me two. And so the first one was Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, cool. You know, and that one didn't speak to me at the time. So I, I sort of like pushed that to the side and I oh. wish that I wouldn't have. Um, but the second one was Zig Ziglar. That's all he said, Zig Ziglar. And I said, okay, well, I'm Zig Ziglar. And so I of course got on Google, you know, and I was like Zig Ziglar. And there was a bunch of stuff on youtube on zig ziglar yeah they had like tons of stuff and so and i i i will say this i thank the ziglar corporation and i think um uh zig ziglar sound i, th I think it's tom ziglar who's yeah. running the organization now so you know thank you very much for putting that stuff out there um uh, there was a video and it was i think it was a minute long and it was just zig ziglar saying Remember that sales is something that you do for someone and not to someone. And yeah, like, like blew my mind. And then he went I, into like a little description of, of like, you know, what that actually meant. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And so the thing that changed for me, as far as like, you know, if I'm a salesperson or not, I'm a proud salesperson. Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I help people do things that they are not necessarily able to do on their own. Right. So what it all comes down to, because um, I I like this as an example, because you had mentioned it too, like people can do stuff without a real estate agent. And it's true. I mean, they can do the majority of things without a real estate agent. Sure. They can locate the property without a real estate agent. They can, um, uh, you know, they can make contact with the seller without a real estate agent. Yeah. In a lot of cases, they can even do a contract without a real estate agent. They can... Um, uh, they can go get approved, go get loan yeah. approved without a yeah, real estate go, agent. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You can do all these things without a real estate agent, but here, here's the, here's the other similarity. <clears throat> and this is the example that I, I, I like, and it's the one that I have internalized in my mind. Dude, you can do the same thing with the stock market. Sure. I can go locate my own stocks. I can go locate, uh, you know, the type of industry that I want to invest in. Right. I can. I can look at all of the numbers that, that I kind of understand. Like, yeah. I, kind, I mean, like, I'm not dumb, you know, uh, but I'm also not a stockbroker. Right. 
so I can understand them just far enough to know like that it seems to be a pretty okay company. And so then I buy the stock and then I look a week later and all my fucking money is gone. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I don't understand. Like, I, I, right. like, why would they allow me to do this on my own without the, the, the use of like a financial advisor or a stockbroker or some professional advising me? Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't get it. Like, how did that even happen? Well, real estate, you see, is exactly the same way. Yeah. Because you can go and negotiate your own deal. You can write your own contract. You can go to the title company and open escrow. You can go get your loan approval. You can negotiate like whatever. Uh, you can get you. You can do your own home inspection. Absolutely. Right? You can, yeah. You can have uh, your your buddy John, who's a contractor, come over and do the home inspection for you. Like you can do all this stuff, and then you close on the home, and then like two years later, when you get ready to sell it, you realize that you got right. Wait a second. How did that happen? Um, maybe if you had a real estate agent, they could have told you like, well, first off, okay, the neighborhood that you're buying in, um, yeah. it's got some issues. Okay? Yeah. Like we, we, and, and real estate agents are aware of those issues. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or it has like a stigma associated with it. We have neighborhood and there are neighborhoods all over the country that, sure. you know, they just have stigmas, you know, whatever oh, yeah. it is. There. Yeah. Um, Dude, I've, I've got one that's like a killer uh killer subdivision in one of my areas where it was you know people wanted to have bigger lots like one acre one acre to three acre lots um yeah. in kind of a planned community where you could have horses like it, the idea was to be able to have horses in in the community but it's got groundwater issues now where the city has actually had to get involved and they have to have pumps that run 24 hours a day pumping water out of this because the groundwater the shelf level is so high i mean it wasn't when they first built it there wasn't an issue but now it's come up and the water will seep through like you'll have a, a pool like a little it looks like a little creek or a little lake in your backyard right and so but but it's something like you know just just as simple as that like that's something that you know any realtor that knows what's going on worth their salt knows that hey that's something that we need to ch double check to make sure yeah, so, oh, yeah. I, I've yeah. just pictured a lot of those guys like waking up in the morning and all they hear like their horses like you know Splash. like making a bunch of noise yeah and it's like <laughs> what, what the is going on and there the horses are like you know yeah. up to their chest in mud you know like oh mm -hmm. what the hell just happened like i don't right. know what's going on yeah. yeah oh yeah but yeah that's a really good example i mean those are the sorts of things that well here this is this is my personal example yeah my personal one okay so um I used to be an aircraft mechanic before I was a real estate agent and uh, I love aviation maintenance. I still love aviation maintenance to this day. It's just, you know, got afraid of the chemicals and decided I needed to, you know, change careers. And uh -huh. uh, so during, during that last part of when I was a aircraft mechanic, my wife and I, and this would have been 2000 and uh, 2005, right? Okay. So, so in 2005, uh, we started looking for home. And so we, we started off looking at, at, you know, I mean, just whatever it was that we could afford at the time. And yeah. this agent that we were working with, and I know that we were frustrating to her because I look back on that and it's like, dude, like, oh, it was kind of a, like, I, I, well, same thing. I didn't even know that I didn't know. Yeah. And so by the time it was done, she was showing us this new subdivision and uh, we were pretty enamored with it. And it's like, well, that's pretty cool. And it was out by the golf course. So uh -huh. I mean, that's speaking to by ego, you know, it's like, nice. Well, we yeah. Live, uh, by the golf, which is funny, not on the golf course, 
Okay. But near the golf course. Okay. Because yeah. I couldn't afford to live on the golf course, but yeah. I could afford to live near it. And so new construction, uh, fairly new subdivision. It was the second phase of that subdivision. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I remember that she had told me, she was like, well, I've sold quite a few homes out here. And I was like, okay. So when an agent tells me something like that, or when anybody tells me something like that, I would perceive that they know something that other people don't know because they have more experience in that area. Mm -hmm. Well, here's what happened. Okay. So um, we, we purchased the home. Okay. And uh, the very first thing that I noticed as I'm walking around on the property, you know, is that there are all these pieces of plastic out there and I'm a dude, right? Okay. I'm just a guy. Yeah. So There's certain, you know, things about the, you know, whole like female life that I, I'm not, you know, I don't understand it. Right. And so I come in with like this handful of these pieces of plastic and I showed Donna and I was like, these are all over the place. And she was like, those are tampon applicators. Right. I was like, what in the hell are a bunch of tampon applicators doing all over our property? And I mean, I'm not talking about like two or three. I'm talking about like like three or four hundred. Right. Yeah. And so um, I went down to the golf course to go golfing. And yeah. uh, I was talking to the owner, um, great guy. His name is Floyd. And uh, I was like, yeah, craziest thing, man. Like, they're just tampon applicators like all over our property. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's where they dump the septic, uh, the septic trucks. Oh no! Oh yeah, they dumped the septic trucks up in that up in that subdivision for like the last like fifty years. No. Yeah. So did our agent tell us about that? Nope. Totally didn't wow. know. Totally didn't know about that. And and so then here's the other part too. Then we noticed that there's trash that would just like blow in from all over the place. You know, and it's yeah. like where is all this trash coming from? Um, the the subdivision backed up to the dump. Didn't know that either. Oh Had no idea. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I was talking to one of the neighbors and I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> so there's some, there's some interesting things about this subdivision. They're like, yeah, you're telling me brother. Like, wow. Yeah. Our foundation ruptured. This is what he told me. Our foundation ruptured and it got so bad that we couldn't even open the doors or windows to our home. So foundation ruptures, right? Whole yeah. structure starts settling. They can't even yeah. open their sliders or open their front door. Dude, and that's it, crazy. Yeah. And and the point of all that is, is that, okay, so first off, the agent should have known because she sold a bunch of real estate in there. Right. right. Sold a bunch of houses. Should have yeah. known. You know, didn't know. Had no idea. And so um, that's actually what got me into real estate because I remember talking to her and was like, hey, um, you know, we've got all sorts of problems up here. And here's what she told me. She said, we've closed on the home. I, I don't owe you any responsibility. That was it. Wow. Yeah, that was the last conversation that I had with her. And so I remember I was in the back of an airplane and uh, I just, I just, uh, um, some people know what this is, but uh, do you know, do you know what safety wire is like in an, in an aircraft? No. They use, so the, you run it through like certain types of bolts that are drilled or like castellated nuts. Okay. okay, and then you like uh, you have special pliers, and you pull it and twist the wire, and and what it does is that it it, it stops the uh, it stops it stops the nut from being able to rotate off, so it holds okay. a, yeah it holds a constant amount of torque on on the nut. It's okay, pretty cool stuff, old technology, but it works really well. Yeah. Well, anyway, when you cut it, it's super sharp. 
So I was in the back of this airplane and I, I took a piece of safety wire. Jeez, Louise, like, you know, this like I, I'm bleeding all over. And yeah, man. And, I, and then I was thinking about her house and I was like, wait a second, like that gal, that gal got like, because again, I didn't know how commissions worked. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, that gal made like 12 grand. She made like 12 grand off of selling us that house. And here I am, you know, where where I'm I'm lucky to get like, you know, $2,500 per pay period. Right. You know, bleeding all over the place. And that's what got me into real estate. But sorry for the long story. But the, the, the point, the point that I'm making with that is that, um, well, there were actually a couple of different points. <laughs> Be careful about the real estate agent that you choose first off. Yeah. And then I, I can tell you this is that we would have been in a significantly worse situation had we not used a real estate agent. Man, that is so crazy. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, that, that just brings me back to, uh, well, then this is the best part. So I got licensed in December of 2007. Yeah. Yeah. And then March of 2008, the entire real estate market collapsed. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I'm one of those real estate agents that got foreclosed on. Oh, man. Yeah. And the great downturn. Yeah. So 2000 and I think it was 2012. Um, we threw the keys to the house back to the bank and took the foreclosure. Uh, wow. Yeah. Which funny part. Um, I thought that that was going to be the end of my career, you know, because who wants to buy a uh, who wants to buy a house from a real estate agent that's been foreclosed on? Right. And that was one of the most valuable things that ever happened to me in my career because I can I can now tell people I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, it's a thing. It happened. You know, circumstances. It happened, were... it happened to a lot of the country. Yeah. Um, I was able to help a lot of people save themselves from foreclosure. Yeah. You know, because there were people that were like, well, you know, we're in default and, you know, we'll just take the foreclosure. And it's like there are actually ways that you can get out of this. Yeah. So don't take Most the definitely. foreclosure. Oh yeah, yeah. no, there's there's tons of options. Well, it, well, and you know it's funny as you say that, just to kind of throw it into like just what's happening in the market now. I know a lot of people think that we're going to see a ton of foreclosures, but um, it's I I don't see that happening. I mean, there is too many homeowners have too much equity yep. in order to in order to to lose. I mean, there's just way too many options. And so it, it really is. So, but yeah, man, that's, that's crazy. I mean, and that's such an invaluable, you know, lesson. I mean, it was a very expensive, hard life lesson that you had to, that you learned um, in that, in there, but which, you know, but it's, I've been close, you know, a couple of times I I was close to, to foreclosure, yeah. you know, um, I shouldn't say foreclosure, but, but more probably more having to do a, a bankruptcy, you know, but, Thankfully, I had several rental properties where I just sold a couple of off that uh, had I not had those rental properties because I had made some good decisions younger in my my younger life that I probably would have had to have gone to like bankruptcy court. Um, You know, my family went through it. My parents did it. We had a plumbing business way back when, when I was growing up and we had won the, the bid to to build um these huge apartment complex it was like 200 units i mean it was a you know it was like the new thing that was happening 
And the guy that came in from, it was a, an outfit out of California, came in and was just trying to extend credit on everybody and then left town owing several million dollars worth of bills <laughs> and wiped my parents out. Because my parents Jeez. had, I think they had put in, you know, they had about $200,000 worth of you know, plumbing, plumbing supply bills that they had with all of the, the trades, the, the, the supplies, the supply houses or the supply chains. And it, uh, it you know, it nearly wiped them out. Um, it, it did. I mean, I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, like going to bankruptcy court and being declared, uh, was it chapter 13? Is that where the debt's forgiven? Right. Or is it chapter seven? Uh, I can't remember. Which look it, that, yeah, yeah look it up. Yeah, which I think it's chapter 13, but it's the one that was basically where it wasn't your fault. Like you just, you know, you were doing what you were supposed to do. And so there's just, you know, and so, and of course everybody got, you know, so which, which was horrible. Everybody got hosed on those bills, but we couldn't pay it because we were just continuing to move forward in good faith, you know, right. doing what the contractor had hired us to do the general on that. And, uh, yeah. And so everybody, everybody, I should say the IRS did get paid still. They, 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 oh, of course. they made sure they yeah. made sure they got paid, but, but that was like our big Christmas present that year. So, yeah. and growing up, like, it was just like, we had, we weren't poor by any means. You know, my dad had worked out at the, out at the nuclear power plant, had a decent job, you know, I mean, made 60, $70,000 a year at the time, which yeah. was pretty good. But, you know, having five kids, it was, uh, it that paycheck got eaten up real quick <laughs> yeah so it sounds squeaky so we, we yeah we had to be very frugal and so my brother and i i'm the oldest of five my one my brother that was one year younger than me going to school we were all we were known as the bogo twins the buy one get one free because uh. that was all the school like we'd go to fred Myers or go to the stores that was buy one get one free for all your back to school clothes and yeah. so we would we would try to get different colors of the same <laughs> brand so that it wasn't like matchy yeah. matchy but yeah but like people are like oh there goes the bogo twins <laughs> yep yep i know because we Man, were frugal funny that oh. you say that because i remember uh, uh i'm the youngest of five yeah and i remember <laughs> going to school and i had one of the teachers tell me that uh uh there was a shirt that i was wearing and and, and he made the comment he was like i remember your brother wearing that shirt like four years ago <laughs> <laughs> i don't know anybody that actually pay any attention to that but apparently he did yeah, yeah I was, well so I, yeah i didn't have a cool name you know yeah. but i I definitely was the recipient of all hand-me-down clothes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So now I I got to ask this because this is, you know, so if you had an agent that was that that was like in front of you, like right now, and they were telling you like, hey, uh, you know, things are really tough. Um, Would you say that would you say that it's as tough now as it was back then? It's just different. I mean, it's always yeah. tough. You know, it's just, you know, why we, and, I, and some of that, you just have to ask the agent is, you know, why is it tough? You know, get to understand them. I mean, here we go. How to win friends and influence people. Right. And mm -hmm. with Zig Ziglar, it's first, you need to understand what their problems are. Yeah. It's the same thing in sales. Like we have to sell salespeople um, to, to do the work. It just, it drives me crazy. We're in a business that should be self-motivated, self-regulated, but yet, nobody wants to do the work. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's in, and honestly, like I find that the biggest problem, David, is because everybody does creative 
what's a good way to put it? They want to feel busy. It's creative paralysis analysis, right? They'll think, oh, I got to get my website's got to be perfect. My social media's got to be on point. I need to have the perfect video. I need to have a perfect this, perfect that, do all this. At the end of the day, this is a relationship-based business. And if you're not building relationships every day, then you're just not doing your job. And, And here's the scary word. It's called prospecting. Yep. Everybody just freaks out. Oh, I can't do that. I'm not going to cold call. Okay, call it whatever you want, but you've got to you've got to talk to people if you want to be able to sell. And and I, dude, I struggled, you know, early on in my career to figure out what the magic pill is or what the magic sauce is, right? But it's really not. Like honestly, like I'm a bumbling idiot. I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. I will never be accused of being the smartest person in any room. Okay, unless I'm babysitting a bunch of toddlers so and even then it's a question it's a, i'm a close probably runner up to first or second right so but but honestly at the end of the day man like as long as you just talk to people and are authentic you know and, and ask them how you can help them like that's really all it is understand what their problems are be genuine about it and do it and so it, it, it truly is at the end of the day, when agents say it's hard or they're struggling, it's because they have a leads problem. They just don't have enough quality leads that they're working with in order to, you know, uh, um, for, for the sting to happen. Like, you know, I mean, I've, I've talked with, I know uh, an agent right now that I'm talking to that he told me he's only got one, one home scheduled to close this month. Mm-hmm. And there's issues with that negotiating. Right. And, it may be something that, you know what, if it falls apart, like it's going to sting, but it's, it's, uh, you know, the, at the end of the, the day, the hard truth is he just didn't have enough quality leads. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, for that one, if we had more than one deal in escrow, like who cares if this one falls apart, right? But when it's the right. only one that you've got an escrow that's going to fall apart, it's, uh, you know, it stings a lot more than it should. So just at the end of the day, it's just having conversations, talk to more people. People know you're a salesperson. They know you're a realtor. They know you want, they want your business. You don't have to tell them that. Just be of service. Talk to them. And yeah. at the end of the day, you know, I, I it's, it's, it's funny. Like I, I always tell people and I shouldn't say this, but I'll, I, I straight admit, I say, look guys, like I am not the best real estate agent. Like I'm not the best salesperson. I know that you guys are like showing interest in this home and, and like you would expect most realtors to like push for the sale. But honestly, like if we're as you as a buyer, we walk, you walk into this home and it doesn't feel like home to you. Like, I'm just not going to be able to put that, you know, as much as I twist your arm, we'll never be able to get that square peg into the round hole. Like it just will never happen. So like, it's I got it. I got to jump in really quick. Have you seen that video on Facebook where it shows the guy like with the, with the square peg and the triangle peg and everything. And it's like, where does this go? I haven't seen this. No, Oh, you got to check that out. Yeah. Cause he was like, Whenever I hear square peg round hole, yeah. I'm sorry to take you off track, but it, it, it's no, so you're funny. Good. He was like, where does the square peg go? And it shows this gal who's like, uh, the, the, the square, the square peg or the square hole. And he was yeah. like, that's right. The round hole. Where does the, where does the uh, triangle peg go? And she was like, well, the, the triangle hole. And he was like, that's right. The circle hole. Cause they all fit <laughs> down the circle hole. <laughs> Yeah, it was freaking hilarious. Anyway, sorry for that. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's but good. anyway, yeah. continue so, on. But, but I, I guess it's, it's really, it's just, you know, people need to self-improve. They need to figure out 
the, uh, a, a great list of questions just to talk, right? And it's not so much like us talking about ourselves because say like, you know, we're, people see us as telemarketers, like in that, and our, and our job truly is, is uh, being really good at interrupting people. Like we're professional interrupters, if that's a good way to put it. Yep. Um, and if we don't, and if we're not good at interrupting people and making like a good impression within five seconds of them being on the phone, um, then we're toast. Like it's just any other, you know, like what any other telemarketer would do, right? You just be like, all right, we'll click, you're out of here. And so um, at the end of the day, there's only two ways that you're going to get people to like you and trust you, which and then in turn will want to do business with you. And it's either teach them something or get them to talk about themselves. And obviously, if I call you, David, like, you know, like, and start trying to teach you something within like the first five to 10 seconds of talking to you and you don't know me, you're just going to hang up. You're going to tell me to pound sand, right? I mean, that's going to be the end of the conversation. Maybe. Um, Dep- depends on what you're, depends on what you're trying to teach me. Yeah, that's true too. So, but you're a different character. So you'd be, you'd be like, you know what? I love your cojones on calling me. Like, hi, I've got a job for you. But I, most people, I, that, that would be my approach. Yeah. I try to hire <laughs> telemarketers all the time. So, but the rest of the world, they're just going to be like, ah, click, hang up. Right. But what we know in, uh, is at, at the end of the day, or the most important thing is we have to answer that all important question for the consumer. What's in it for them? Or even with an agent, what's in it for them? Like, why should they pick us? Why should they pick our offer? You know, why why should we work with you over anybody else? There's an array of options that are out there. And, and we've got to get them to understand what their situation is. It works out well. We need to get them to talk about themselves, right? And by doing so, they're going to like us. And I think it was it. Was it Zig Ziglar that said in one of his books, a true conversationalist or a good conversationalist is when you speak only 20% of the time? Maybe it was in How to Win Friends and Influence. Yeah, it was Dale Carnegie. Yeah, yeah, that's Dale Carnegie for sure. I think it was Carnegie. Um, But basically, but he just said, you know, where it was, I remember reading the the chapter where they had something where they were at a party and um, they had gone in and talked about how like this guy just asked really good open-ended questions and got the people to talk and the people dominated the conversation answering and talking to him telling him their life stories and when they left they said this guy didn't talk at all but i absolutely love him i mean and that's that's the problem with real a, a lot of what we do and i'm guilty of it too is we get in like even now like i'm just preaching just talking 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 and not asking good find out questions to help them self-discover what what's going on and and that's the, what we really need to do is get really good at asking great self-discovery questions for the client or for the agent yep. um because the magic sauce is simple man like this is it like let's just reverse engineer the success to to real estate i share yep. all agents with this and and basically it's you know our end goal is helping the clients get their home or and and a byproduct of that is us collecting what we hope is a nice fat commission check, right? Yep. The only way we're going to get those commission checks is if we get contracts. The only way we get contracts is by setting appointments. The only way we get appointments or uh, by is by prospecting, by talking to people. At the, and that's it. Like yep. that's the magic sauce. And so, and for anybody that listens, I'll make you the Todd promise, right? Here's the promise. If you talk to 10 people a day, 
about real estate, have like 10 real estate related conversations per day, either on the phone or face-to-face, you will sell. There's no reason that you can't sell two homes a month. Like that's it. I was going to say at least one. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll turn into at least one transaction. Yeah. With a, with, with a 60 to 90 day lag. Correct. Right. Yeah, it is. I mean, and it takes a little bit of time to build up. It's just kind of like, you know, prospecting real estate. It's just like going to the gym. Like, you know, you can't show up and work out. And after one workout, be like, what the hell? Why haven't I lost 20 pounds? Mm-hmm. Like I'm still a fat, a fat lark. And it's like, well, are you watching what you're putting in your mouth? You know, so you've got a bunch of other things that you're doing too. And so you've got to put in, you know, probably 30 to 60 days to see, to really have any significant results. And it's the same thing with prospecting, same thing with anything else. Yeah. Here's, here's a question. It's kind of a loaded question because I think I already know the answer, but so if, if I was like an agent, I came up to you and I said, Oh, I need leads so bad. And I, and and if I don't get a lead today, I'm going to die. Right. Right. So they have some sort of weird disease that they're going to die if they don't get a, if they don't get a lead, where would you tell them to go? Where would you tell them to go get a lead? Wow. Well, I think the, the two best spots for them to go would be, you know, one is their, their circle of influence, you know, talking to people that they already know. Um, but then also reach out to for sell by owners. Those are people that have both, they've got their hand raised, waving, I want to sell my home. And, you know, for sell by owners are, I don't want to say they're easy to convert, but it's simple. And if you talk to them, have a relationship with them, most for sell by owners are going to list with the realtor within probably two weeks of putting their home on the market. They just put it up because they, they're hoping that they're going to find that unicorn. Like everybody's got the chance that they're going to find the buyer, right? And so, and if they can't get it done in one or two weeks, they get tired of like people bombarding them. Crud. I mean, I've got for sell by owners that I, that I follow up with now where and it's maybe it's because they recognize my number and I'll try to call from different numbers to, to see if that's the thing, but they never answer the phone. They're tired of their phone ringing and they don't want to handle it. So was it, was it you that gave me the best for sale by owner close? <laughs> I think it was you. Was that to make the phone stop ringing? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I mean, dude, I use humor with a lot of my stuff yeah. and you know what? And a lot of times it turns people off, but that's okay. Like my niche market is people that are, that I think are going to be kind of like me, you know, that are just, you know, Hey, yeah, we're serious about getting stuff done, but you know what? Let's have a lot of fun along the way. Like, yeah. You know, why the life's too short to be stuffy and worry about stuff. But, but yeah, so I, when I call for sell by owners, a lot of times they'll, you know, they go in and, and they'll tell me that they've probably had more realtors call them than buyers, which is totally the case that's happening all across the country right now. And so, and I'll just tell them, I'll just say, well, you know, Mr. For sell by owner, I said, you know what the quickest way I said, we can, I can guarantee that we can get those guys to stop calling overnight, like instantly. And they're like, oh, please tell me, how do you do that? And I said, well, it's really simple. All we do is we put my sign in your front yard. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- so, I love that yeah. i love it so but i mean it's you know but but they know it's true it's like it's kind of yeah. a fun way for me to kind of hit them saying hey you know what like if you guys are tired like in most are within two weeks most most go and statistically speaking everybody already knows the the numbers you know you sell a home for only 85 percent of what what a realtor could do it for and so it's yeah i mean that's great that you sold it all on your own, but you know, and you save that 6% commission fee. Um, 
but you know what? You really lost another 7%, a 9%, you know, however much by trying to do it on your own, because right. that is well, this. And to jump in, this is the thing that's important to know about first sale by owners is that they're not saving the 6% commission. Right. They're usually only saving half of that. Yeah. Because most of the people that are going to be coming to the house that are interested in buying it already have a buyer's agent. Yep. So they're going to bake the buyer's agent commission into the deal anyway. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they get yeah. like wrapped around the axle where it's like, oh, 6%. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's more like three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of the, you know, the, the, the old good old script that, uh, that we've all learned is what's the single greatest reason to go by owner to save the commission. Right. Right. And it's the same thing when people go to buy. I mean, it's like, you know, if you were to go to a garage sale, even if you had bought say like an Xbox one, right. Or, or whatever, a big screen TV, never taken it out of the box and it still had the sales price sticker on it you're not going to pay the sticker price at a garage sale. You're going to expect a significant discount. So it's the same, same thing when it comes to homes, cars, everything else. I mean, that's why a lot of people exclusively try to buy, say, vehicles. They don't go to car lots. They just try to buy private, private sale is because they're going to save. They yeah. know they're going to save money on that. I like and the really, TV. I like that TV analogy. Yeah. Because you know, I, I, I use... Um, uh, well, I, I still use the watch analogy, right? but the TV analogy is even better because I mean, like who wants to buy last year's model of TV at full price? Sure. Yep. Nobody, nobody. Yeah. If I'm going to pay full, full retail, I'll go, I'll go to the store. Yeah. Yeah. Buy so, a brand new. And even yeah. then, even then, I mean, people are still going to the store and if they do, uh, so if they just mark the price and this is what most stores do, it's so funny. So yeah. they have a TV and like the original price that they're trying to get on it is like 1500 bucks. Yeah. So they just mark it up to $2,000 and give $500 off. And then they sell like crazy. Right. Yeah. I was like, but wait a second. Like the original price was 1500 bucks. And they're like, uh-huh. And then you just marked it up to $2,000 and then ran a two day sale of $500 off, you know, yeah, 60 inch yeah. flat screen TVs. Yep. Yeah. And they're like, yep. Yep. That's the perception. You yeah. know, it's just like, oh, this is a great deal. You know, it's for them, them feeling that having that perception on there. So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you would tell people for sell by owner. That'd be the, yeah. I think that's a good way to it, it's, you know, it, and it's going to hone their skills too, as well. It's going to make you get better real quick at talking to people Yeah. Um. Uh, with it. And so those, I think those are two of the quickest ways. I, I another way that you could do it is host open houses yeah. or even better kill two birds with one stone, host an open house for a for sell by owner. Now you're leveraging the home to get buyers to come in and you're also earning the good graces of the for sell by owner. Yeah. Um, with it. How do, so you, how do you do, how do you structure that? Just offer to host a free professional open house and just say, and they'll want to know what the catch is and just say, oh, well, if the catch is, you know, if I, if I bring you a buyer, we'll do a non-exclusive listing agreement where it basically just says, Hey, if I bring you the buyer and you accept my offer, you agree to pay me a, you know, 3% or 4% commission, whatever X amount you want to put in sure. um, on there. So that it's not that they're not binded to just me or bound, I should say to just me, but it's only if they accept my offer, do they pay me a commission? Yeah. I'll put you on the spot. Can I put yeah. you on the spot? Okay. Right. So I'll just be the first sale by owner. And, and so now, now what happens Todd? like, if you have a whole bunch of people that come through the open house and, and they're like, they're interested in my house, uh huh, but 
but you you know that you could actually make more money selling one of the other listings that you already have. Like what, how, how do I know that you're not going to do that? That's a great question. I, and honestly, I'm not the one that's going to determine who buys what, you know, the, it's whatever the buyers do is, I mean, I, I try to treat people in the sense that I treat people however I want to be treated, you know, and, and I'll, and I promise I'll always be honest with you where, whether it's good for me or bad for me. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I'm going to be honest about which, which home people want, you know, I can't force people to buy a house that they don't want to buy. And sure. so, you know, I, with that and, and so, you know, a lot of times what I'll do is I can, I'd be happy to give you a list of all the people that came through the open house if you'd like, if you want to follow up with them on your own. But, you know, we've got a lender that will do this as well to make sure that we get them all pre-approved. And if they decide to buy your home, then fantastic. Um, but if not, you know, that's part of why I'm wanting to host the open house is to earn, to generate leads. So because, you know, all you need is one buyer to buy your home. And, and as you know, your home's not the perfect fit for every buyer that's out there. And if it is, then we, we would definitely love to bring it to you. But if not, then we want to help them earn their business too. Bravo. And if yeah. I was the first sale buyer, I'd say, all right. Yeah. Damn. You just said, hey, I'm trying to help you, man. I'm just going to generate leads. We're going to get you more exposure. At the end yeah. of the day, it's exposure is what you need. And yeah. you're at a disadvantage trying to sell on your own um, because you don't have the same network that real estate agents have created over time. Yep. Yep, it's true. When I think too, especially with first sale by owners, um, and you nailed it, yeah. is that there's only one thing. Well, actually, there are two things that they want, but there's one thing that they're focused on. And the one thing that they want, they, just, they want to sell their house. Yeah. They want to sell their just, house. Yeah. yeah. Just need so, it sold. Um, I love this in, in our community. Um, and, and I may not have mentioned this before, you know, but I mean, you already know, but for people watching, they don't know. So I, I live in a, in a little place in Montana. So essentially like in the middle of nowhere. Uh -huh. um, and the fun part, uh, whenever I talk to for sale by owners and, and there are a few, there aren't too many right now. Um, but whenever I talk to a for sale by owner, the only thing that I ask them, I never even ask them about their listing. Yeah. It's the craziest thing. And I take a lot of for sale by owner listings. But mm -hmm. I'll just ask them, out of curiosity, where are you planning on moving to? Yeah. That's it. That's so awesome. they pick up the phone. Yeah. You know, dial the number up, you know, and ring, ring, you know, just like, hello. Yeah. Uh, hi. My name is Dave Torreson. Are, are you the person that's selling 123 ABC Street? Uh, yeah, I am. Oh, great. Okay. Well, I'm a real estate broker, but I, I'm actually not calling about, about the house in particular. I just wanted to know, when, when you sell your home, where are you planning on moving to? Yeah. Oh, we're going to move across town. Oh, okay, cool. What, uh, you know, I, I, if I may ask, I mean, I'm sorry to pry. Uh, what's yeah. important about moving across town? Oh, it gets me closer to my grandkids so that I can, uh, I can just, you know, walk and, and babysit them, you know, because my, my, you know, son or daughter just got a new job and, you know, it's demanding, whatever the reason It's like, oh, okay, yeah. cool. So, you know, moving across town, that's great. Um, out of curiosity, do you have anybody helping you looking for that new home? Um, no, I mean, I've just been kind of doing it on my own. What, what type of house are you looking for? I'll Dude, keep my eyes and ears peeled. Th that's awesome. I, yeah. I would, I, if, if, would you say that, what do you, what, about 50% of the time, that's the scenario where they don't have anybody? Yeah. Oh, more than 50%, yeah. more than 50%, because this, um, again, because people don't have the, um, uh, they don't have the professionalism of a real estate agent behind them. 
And right. so what they're doing is that they're they know the pieces of the puzzle, right? Yes. But they they don't know how to put it together, and so they kind of like do stuff like out of order. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So so they they don't have another house that they have in mind, but they put their house on the market. Right. right. So so but then they think they're like, okay, well, I need to get my household before I can start looking for a home. Uh -huh. And so I don't want to engage the services of a realtor, which is, yeah. this is, this is funny too, because every person, every for sale by owner knows that if they want to find a house, who do they have to go talk to? Yeah. They go talk to a realtor. They go talk to a realtor. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. It's crazy. And then yeah. they're like, well, I'm going to sell my house on my own though. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to sell on my own, but I'm going to have you help me. <laughs> yeah. Dude, right, right. I love this. Like, this is so, this is so awesome because this is a killer, like, this is a great lead generation source right here by using the FISBO and just turning around on them and just say, look, like, I know everybody else is trying to, in, in the, you know, everybody else is trying to list you over the phone. And it's funny, like, how aggressive a lot of people will get. They'll, I mean, I've straight had people tell me, like other realtors have told them that they're stupid, that they're ignorant, that they're idiots for trying to sell on their own yeah. and they belittle them. And I'm, and so for me, I'm just kind of, I guess, kind of a, uh, a breath of fresh air coming in. Cause I just call them, you know, like really like for me, I, my, my inter introduction is just Dave, you know, this is Todd, you know, here, I'm just a local realtor in the area. And I'm sure I'm probably the 800th agent that's called you by now um, on your home. Yep. But, you know, I was just curious, is your home still available? Like, are you still trying to find an offer? Well, yep. yeah, we are. Okay. Awesome. Hey, I, I know that, you know, all these other realtors have tried to list you on the, on over the phone to get your home for sale. But, you know, if you don't mind, I had just a couple of questions that I couldn't find the information on the website or about. And so, I'll ask them about like how old the year of the roof, the year of the furnace, um, and the year of the water heater, you know, because those are three things that aren't found on the county records most of the time. And, and it, they're actually thought provoking questions where they're like, you know what, like you're the first realtor, the first person that's ever asked me that. But those are the, the three main things that are the biggest concerns for first time home buyers. You know, yeah. or any buyer. I mean, those are the most yeah. expensive repairs that m typically happen. Um, when they buy a house. And so I just, you know, ask them a couple of those things and then start building and just say, well, you know, you've had your home up for a while. You've had to had to a couple of offers and, you know, just start strike up a conversation and start asking them, you know, more find out questions. And then, and then I love what you said, where I, I, at some point I'll roll in and just say, you know, every buyer always wants to know, you know, what's the motivation? Why are you guys selling your home? And where, you know, when you do sell, what's your plan? Like, where are you going to? Mm -hmm. So I, I love it, man. I think it's yeah. a great way to find buyers because, yeah. you know, I mean, cause really like realistically, like being a homeowner, would you ever choose to go back to becoming a renter? No. Yeah. No. I, I think there's rare cases, but the majority of it, they're moving like they're, yeah. they're, they're going to buy. Yeah. So now it's true. Well, and, and what I love, what I love about the first sale by owner uh, lead generation is that <clears throat> so most people look at like, uh, so like a for sale by owner is like one deal. Okay. Yeah. So like if they could get the listing, they can get one deal. Yeah. Well, so if you look at it from the buy side, now you have two deals, but that's yep. not even all the deals that you're going to be able to generate off of just having nice rapport and being uh -huh. helpful to the for sale by owner. Cause this is what I do. I don't know why more people don't do this. It's it's the craziest thing. Okay, so now I know what they're looking for, 
right? I know yeah. why they're looking for it. Yeah. And so then the next thing that I do, I don't go to the MLS because most real estate agents, as you're well aware of, I'm sure, you know, the first place that they go, they're like, well, I'll look on the MLS and check it out. Bro, yeah. like they, they've already looked at the MLS. They've already right, been on right. Zillow. They already know all the stuff that's on the market. Yeah. So go to Facebook. Uh-huh. Go to Facebook and throw it on Facebook. Hey, I got somebody who's looking for a four bed, three bath house in this particular neighborhood. They'd like to have a fenced backyard um, and, uh, you know, splash of granite, splash of hardwood. Um, yeah. You know, they're they're ready to purchase up to, you know, 550,000. You know, PM me. It. Yeah, PM yeah. me if you know anybody. Well, what does that do? I mean, am I, how many leads will I generate off of that? Is it going to be one or multiple? And it's usually multiple. Yeah. Depends on depends on the ad, but I right. no, I love it. And I and I'll and I'll just I'll do it. I'll tell you like that is gold right there, which which you shared. I mean, because I straight up ripped it ripped it off and duplicated exactly what you're saying. You know, I stole yeah. the idea from you yeah. and I do it in my market as well. And you know, depending on the the property that I'm describing, I'll get, you know, sometimes I only get one solid seller lead. I'll get one person that will respond and it'll be one person that wants to sell. Other times right. I get 13 to 15. I mean, I've got Right now, I've you know from like three or four different ads, I think I've got thirty or forty potential sellers this spring that want to sell that I'm supposed to follow up with, yeah. where they're like, "Hey, we're we want to sell, but we're not ready yet," which right. is crazy because you get a ton of people there. Like you know, we're trying to advertise to find a red already ready now buyer, right, or seller. But then these guys will be like, "Well, hey, I've got exactly what you're talking about," or completely unrelated. You know, I I mean, I, I've done one where I said I needed a home with five acres of land and i get people that are on like a city lot saying hey am i my lot's only you know only like fifteen thousand square feet or you know a quarter a little over a quarter acre right and uh um they're just like but but we want to sell and so they just like raise their hand i'm like well great tell me more tell me more about your house yeah it's an awesome way to to get other people to raise their hand so because it it totally goes with the uh the idea or or at the end of the day where buyers uh, raise their hand or identify because they want to buy houses, right? They, yep. they, but sellers only will self-identify themselves if they think you have a buyer that can buy their house. And this yeah. is an amazing way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause the, uh, what turned me on to this, this was, um, it was at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, cause at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I, I had a bunch of listings that were on the market mm-hmm. and, and, and then, you know, of course, everybody from the government's like, you know, and, Anyway, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But anyway, they they were like, we need to shut down. You know, they, we were all concerned whether we were going to be essential or non-essential. Yep. And and uh, so I had a lot of people during that time that were like, you know what? Like, I want you to like pull me off of the market. Yeah. I want you to. I don't. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to advertise. I don't want to sell. And it's like, but here's a question for you. Like, if I brought you a buyer, mm-hmm. okay, and so you're not even like on the market but you're yeah. sort of on the market. Yeah. It, it, would you still sell? And they're like, Oh hell yeah, we would still sell. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and that was like, kind of blew my mind a little bit. And it's like, so if you still wanted to sell, then I don't understand why you're pulling your house off the market. Right. And then I started talking to more people and I realized that that, that isn't like a new thing. That's not a pandemic thing. That's been going on forever. Yeah. So there's like this whole like, um, well, they don't want to deal with the parade, you know, I mean, over the last five years, you put a home up for sale, you had 40 people like the first day trying to come through the home. Yeah. 
Well, there's that, and then and then the 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 question that always uh, you know, the, the, in, I shouldn't say always. The question that I think comes up the mo most often in their mind is they're like, great. So if I put it on the market and it sells, like, boop, you know, it's gone. Where, yep. where am I going? Right. I don't have anything lined up. Yep. Like, I don't feel like I have control over that transaction. And so maybe if I do it like this other way, if I just happen to like sell it, you know, under terms that I feel comfortable with, uh -huh. you know, maybe that'll be better, which is crazy too, because even if they're on the market, they still get to dictate the terms of the sale of their property. Right, right. But people are under the impression that if they put it on the market and it, it you know, with 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 a real estate agent on the market with a real estate agent, that that somehow they don't get to dictate the terms of the sale of their property. Right. They're and, still they're in the driver's seat the whole time. Right. So instead oh, yeah. of instead of me like beating my brains out, like, okay, like how hmm, yeah, how how are we gonna handle that? Why don't I just change what it is that I'm doing a little bit? Yeah. And just lean into that market. And that's all I did. So that's 80 awesome. per, well, yeah, I, I thank you. I think so too. Cause 80% of the transactions that I did over the last four years never hit the MLS. Wow. That's not a made up number. That's crazy. Yeah. And even on the MLS, I still show like 30 to 35 homes that I sold over the last yeah. 12 months. That represents only 20% of what I actually did. And I and and what's fun about that too? This is just me because I have an ego. So here's a little bit of my ego. <laughs> I have agents that call me, yeah. um, and and they'll be like, "Is everything okay?" You know, sort of the whole like alligator tears, you know, the frenemy type of a thing. Yeah, you know, it's like, why well, I, I noticed that your numbers are way down in the MLS, and we were talking and. We were just calling to make sure that everything's fine, you know. And it's uh -huh. like, motherfucker, like you don't care about me, like I know that, right? You know, and and so, and I, they I, just I, they're just calling to to backhand gloat. Well, a little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's fun too, you know, because I just tell them it's like, well, yeah, gosh, you know, it's it's tough out there. The market's tough. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I appreciate your concern though. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, and and in the meantime, you know, I'm sitting there with like seven or eight pending. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So the, uh, um, yeah, the off market opportunities are, are, are pretty crazy because there's yep. still the same number of people who want to buy and sell real estate today yeah. as there were the same time last year as the same time the year before that is the wow. same time the year before that. I mean, the percentages still stay basically about the same, um, because the number of buyers and sellers that are present in a market, right. It's all based on demographics. You know, so that's like where all of the crazy, like statistical people, like all the all the analysts, like look at their charts and everything. And it's like, OK, when this generation, there's X number of people and inside that generation, there's X number of people that make X amount of dollars. Right. And then they can break it all down and they can say, you know, in that particular uh, in that particular demographic, you know, 38 percent of people are interested in buying a home. Right. So, I mean, if you wanted to get really scientific about your business, too, like you can even distill the stuff that we were just talking about down even further yeah and and start looking at 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 uh you know like different demographics of where you would want to place your marketing right and of course disclaimer no we're not talking about like discrimination or redlining you know it's just where will we place our marketing dollars so right. that we know that it's the most effective you know yeah um and and that was that's that's what i've done most recently is that i got like even even more scientific about like, well, where do I, you know, like, where do I want to place those dollars that I'm going to invest into this? Right. Um, and 
then the most amazing part of it too, and I know that you're there too um, currently, is that once you get to the excess of business, then you can start hiring people. And then once you start hiring people, then you start getting your time back. Yes. Now you're not investing all this time into having to do all this stuff. And all it took was, I mean, I, I would say that if somebody hit this really hard, probably six to nine months of, of, of hard prospecting yeah. before they're starting to hire people and leverage all that out. Oh, yeah. Anyway, my diatribe is over. I, I, I don't mean to capitalize on it that much. No, You're the dude, guest it's great. Here. Oh, goodness. So, no, no, it, it, it's true, though. It's just, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. And if you make it a priority and continue to push and um, add more people, I mean, we're, we're basically a, our success uh, is directly related to, you know, how, how many conversations we have every day how many people we add to our database. You know, I, I've seen some people say that, you know, it's basically the 1% rule, you know, however, what 1% of your database is the amount of sales that you'll probably end up doing every year in, in, in real estate. And so, you know, if you want to make a million dollars a year at an average $10,000 commission check, that means you got to sell a hundred homes, right? Which means you need to have a database of 10,000 people yep. in order to, in order to do that. <laughs> So, but at the end of the day, it's just having conversations, you know, meeting people, trying to help them with their needs. And I like for sale by owners. I like, you know, expired listings because those are both people that have done that are identifying themselves or have identified themselves as wanting to sell their home. Expireds are amazing because they also have already said, Hey, not only do I want to sell my home, but I'm willing to pay a commit a full commission. You know, right. or, or pay realtors commissions. And so expireds are awesome because they yeah. are, they're what I love to call, uh, to steal the term from another great uh, recon, right? They are mm -hmm. basically, they let you know that they're, they're out there, they're ready to sell and they're willing to pay a commission. Um, and so a lot of times just good homes don't sell for the first time. Um, and it's what I like to call the, uh, the four P's or the reasons pictures, price, presentation, or poor representation. Yeah. Uh, are the four that are on there. And so <laughs> it's just, you know, cause a lot of times you still, I mean, you still see a lot of realtors will use their stupid cell phone to take pictures. I mean, it's, you know, guys, we're professionals here. Your photos should look professional. So I hire a professional photographer to do all mine. It is just, it doesn't matter what price range it is. He still comes out. They still come out and do it yeah. um, on there. And so, you know, but because, and I say that because pictures are probably your first impression that you're going to have. I mean, because we know buyers look online 95% of the time before they even go look at a home or go even talk to a realtor. And, yep. and everybody acknowledges this. Like if you're looking at homes online and the photos are bad, what do they do? They just skip to the next yep. house. They don't bother taking a look at it still. They're like, no, nope, this is, looks horrible. We're out. And they move on. And and so that's like, you know, that's your first thing right there. So, and then a lot of times it's because the pri they price the home incorrectly, you know? And mm -hmm. so we get to come in, we're going to, you know, improve, improve the photos, improve the price and give them uh, instructions. You know, they probably probably didn't even have an agent that told them what to do to set up for showings. You know, a lot of times it, it's just amazing. Like when I talk to expired listings, um, I'll give them kind of a list of things to do and not to do action items when they, when they know that their home's going to be shown and they'll be like, nobody ever told us to do this stuff. So like, 
If you've got pets in the house, get the dog bowl, you know, the water, the food and water bowls, get them out of sight. Like don't keep them on the floor because most home buyers are potentially looking. They don't know where those things are. They'll step on it or kick it. And then you got a food mess or water mess all over your floor. Um, But just get, get it out of sight, out of mind with that, but turn on all the stinking lights, open all the window blinds, get that natural light in there. And if your light bulbs are burnt out, replace them. And better yet, replace them with with, with LEDs. Lights. That's right. Replace them with the LED, like the the bigger, brighter, the brighter bulbs, right? You know, so that it it actually shows. Because the brighter the home is, the warmer it feels, and that's what home buyer home buyers are buying based off of emotion, not off of facts. Yeah. So, and yeah. uh, then of course the last one is your poor representation, whether it's you know. Um, your, you know, whether the realtor was a bad representative or if they were selling it on their own and they were a bad representative to selling the home themselves, you know, and uh, uh, with that. And so it's just, you know, making sure that you have accurate information. Are all of the documents in there? You know, a great one, a great example is this grinds my gears, David. So here's where <laughs> I know, I know, here's where like, oh, I've been waiting to, waiting to talk to you for an hour, Todd, to finally get to this. Yeah. But, Multifamily property, right? If you're selling like a duplex, the they never put the financial documents in there. They never put a copy of the rental agreement. They never put what the rent rolls are, what the deposits were. This is all information that has to be that you need for an investor to be able to make a decision on whether they even want to look at the property. Mm-hmm. And what can I add one more thing in there that I noticed yeah, with multifamily and investment that they never do investment yeah. like tenant occupied investment. Yeah. How many times have you ever seen in the MLS and associated docs uh-huh. on those properties where they include estoppel certificates? Dude, we are like connected. I have never seen it, but I always have to ask for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Cause any investor that knows what the hell they're doing right. is going to say like, Hey, I understand what the, what the financials say. And yeah. I understand like what the taxes say, like I yep. totally get that, but I want to know, first off, is that person paying the rent in the schedule that they said that they're paying the rent on? Right. And do they intend on continuing to pay that rent in perpetuity until the end of their lease agreement? Right. Yeah. And that's the estoppel certificate. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, like you can, you can have, sorry, I'm going to go on a tangent because it's something that drives me crazy too, is that. You can have a really great investment property. It's fantastic. The yeah. numbers look really, really great. Yeah. Right. And then, and then you go and you start looking at looking into like, you know, how do they, how do they get the rents? Like, when did they receive the rents? And the rents are like, you know, all over the board. Yes. Different times of the month. You know, yeah. people aren't like actually paying. You know, and and then right. on top of that, you know, they're under the impression that if they get a new landlord, that they might be able to renegotiate. Right. And so then if you don't have the estoppel certificates, I mean, anyway, it, dri- it drives it's, me crazy. Oh, oh no, I totally agree. But well, most agents don't even know what it they is. They don't even know what it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's crazy. And, you know, and, and to add on to, to pile on to that, basically kind of a reader, the, the estoppel certificate basically is you have the landlord and the tenant sign it. And they both agree to the terms that are in the contract. But most importantly, it spells out how much the rent is, when it's due, and if they paid a deposit and how much of a security deposit they paid as well. Because I've had it where they will tell me, oh, well, we didn't have any security deposits or, or you know, they paid, I paid $1,000 and I'm going, the paperwork doesn't, you know, 
document this, but by getting everybody to sign off on it up front, I'm no longer having to worry about fighting a renter that's saying, well, you owe me a thousand dollars for deposit money. And I'm going, no, you don't have anything that proves that, that you had it. Then right. I wasn't transferred a thousand dollar deposit right. um, with that. But yeah, so, but the estoppel certificate protects all of that on there. And I, I agree. Yep. Like it is something that bring it back, make the estoppel certificate great again. Like that's, <laughs> That's what we need. Uh, absolutely. So <laughs> that, that, the, that's awesome. But it's important to have that on there. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to happen with this market? Uh, dude, we're just going to. I think we're in for it, times are going to get tougher before it gets better. Um, and a lot of it is just it's I, I think there's a lot of policies and you know, the, the inflation is only caused by the government, by government making money out of thin air and spending. And, and until that gets under under control, I mean, they can continue to raise the rates, but that's not the problem. The problem yeah. is the government spending and making up money. And I don't and I don't want to get super political on it, but you can if you want. But that's but that's kind of where it is. It's just it's it's the government. The only way we have inflation is when the government creates money out of thin air. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that's jacked up and, you know, the people need to hold our government accountable. You know, what happened to being fiscally responsible? Uh, with, well, that's with, not with cool, things. man. I know, I know, but we have to do it, right? Like I can't run a business at, at a loss and still stay in and keep my doors open. Like if I'm, if I'm losing money, I'm, I'm not staying in business and the mm -hmm. government's the worst at, at that on there. So, but I, I see for the next, through the year, through the next year, you know, there's a lot of equity still in homes. Um, I don't see a ton of foreclosures happening. Yes, there are going to be some and things are getting tight, tighter. And so I'm dusting off, you know, going to actually reaching out to for sale by owners, expireds, and also notice of default type buyers uh, or sellers, I should say, to to find those listings. Um, but I think there's too much equity and the inventory is still low and buyer demand is still high, um, high enough to where I don't think we're going to see, you know, uh, a, a huge drop. I, I think we're still going to, I mean, yeah, things are down 50%, but it just means that we're going to get, um, we're, we're going to, the people that we work with are going to be highly um, qualified in order to move forward. And I think it's all the more, all the more important reason for us as agents to make sure that we pre-qualify all of our clients, all yeah. of our uh, people to, um qualify them, I should say, to, to make sure that they can do what they want, you know, before we get all excited and do that. And 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 I know we all have the the tendency to want to be like, oh, let's go show homes. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. No, let's slow down. You know, uh, in, in, in is actually in Washington state on the 3rd of October, they just changed it to where we basically, we have to get an exclusive buyer representation agreement um, or we could not get paid. Like we have to fill out in our purchase agreement how much commission the sellers are offering us. And if that doesn't coincide or 
to match up with what the buyers have agreed to pay us in the buyer representation agreement, we have to disclose the contract a different way. And so like the sell, the buyers could potentially just say, hey, you know what? I just met you. Like you called me from Zillow. Or I called you off of Zillow and I'm going to go show, you know, you showed me one house and now you're going to make a $15,000 commission. Nah, man, that's way too much money for you to make. Like you need to give me half of that back or that needs to go towards my credit, my closing costs. I mean, that's a realistic thing that could happen. I mean, it's people have tried to negotiate that. Yeah. Um, and so, but that's part of our contract now. And Washington State did that to combat, you know, all the crap that's going on with the lawsuits with realtor.com and people saying that, hey, buyers aren't represented and they're being, you know, or sellers are having to pay for buyers' commissions, which, you know, that shouldn't be. Why should I have to pay a realtor to come negotiate against me? Right. Um, on that. And so that's, and so Washington's proactively taken that where now we, we have to do that. So I'm of the opinion, I've been doing it for the last 15 years, get exclusive agreements before you do anything else, have a needs and needs analysis set up, get them pre-approved with a lender, um, which I'm going to piggyback on with the for sale by owners yep. uh, real quickly, find a good lender that's willing to work with you on the for sale by owners, because they can be an asset. They can be an ally to you for all the leads that you generate, then get that lender to help you prospect and qualify all of your buyer leads as well. So, um, but, 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 but doing that, I think by getting those steps put in place, set that up first and do not go show homes until they've been pre-qualified. You're wasting your time. There's a lot of buyers that'll be like, yeah, I know I, I'm, you know, that tell me, oh, I, I, it's not a problem. I'm not worried about getting qualified. It's like, well, then go through the steps. You wouldn't go car shopping. I mean, you're not going to go buy a car. You're not going to go do other services without knowing that you've got the finances in place to do it. Yeah. Like, biggest, just get biggest red flag statement in the entire world is yeah. when you're dealing with people and they're like, oh, yeah, don't worry about the money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. I got you. Whenever. Yeah, if they ever say that, yeah, you should worry about the money. So, well, it was, and you know, David, with it, and I'll tell you, and I know you know this already, but uh, for our our viewers that are out there, I I struggled with this question. You know, I mean, because it was, and a lot of realtors do, and and a lot of consumers are very touchy about this, are very sensitive because they come across, and because basically what they'll say is they try to be a, be straight with the the consumer, and they'll just say, well, can you qualify to buy this house? Do you have financing in order? And, you know, and that's kind of a, a bit abrasive. And so I have found that in my, you know, crud, almost 20 years as an agent, that the really the best way to approach the question is to just say, you know, David, you know, you, if this is the home that you decide that you love and you decide you want to buy it, are you planning on paying cash or obtaining financing? Pretty simple. Yeah. And at that point, they're going to be, they'll give you some version. They'll be like, oh, well, you know, we've got enough for a down payment, but we're going to need to get the rest financed. And I'll be like, well, that's awesome. Yep. Would you be open to me? Would it be okay with you if I helped you save money and maybe lined you up with a great lender that could get you the most competitive rates and potentially save you on closing costs too? You know, and they're like, well, yeah, you know, somebody that's going to get me a better deal. Absolutely. Wouldn't you I don't you know anybody that? that would say no to that. Right. I mean, I mean, as, as a real estate professional, if I go to other professions, I should say I would expect them to get me the best deal possible, not be like, oh, hey, good luck. Go go research this. 
right? right? I mean, of course, they can choose whoever they want to, but I'm going to make a couple of suggestions and say, look, these are people that I've used in the past right here. Here's this. And so, you know, one of the ones that I love to introduce right now is a dude that I've known his whole life. He is just the coolest guy. I'm absolutely just love him. He's the greatest dude in the world and has got a great personality and always is like down to have fun and always takes good care of people. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I said, and I think you'll agree with me when you meet him. And I said, but in full disclosure, I know I'm a bit biased. I will tell you, he is my younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, my brother just left his job out at the uh, nuclear power plant in last April and is now just full-time lender. So that's a big, how do you do? He's, yeah, he's getting the Torgerson, cool. he's getting the Torgerson treatment, right? Yeah. So go yeah, on, yeah. let's join right when the market tanks. Mm -hmm. So it's but, true. It's true. But, well, I, I, I'll say this. I mean, as far as like, um, uh, you know, like getting into the market in a time like this, Yeah. I am so thankful that I got my real estate license in December, 2007 as opposed to getting licensed, say in like, uh, you know, like 2020 or 2021, yeah. you know, because I, I've only, I, I, I cut my teeth on bad markets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's what we so, know. Yeah. And it's what we know. And the cool part about it is like, if, if you can make it in a bad market, uh -huh. like an, e an easy market, like what we've had over the past, like five years. Oh, it's cruising. It's like yeah. a vacation. It really is. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. And now, now it's just going back to what you and I would both consider normal. Yeah. You know, like, what do you it need is. to do? Like go out there and grind and, you know, talk to people and, you know, do the thing. And uh, I wanted to add one more thing um, on your, uh, on your lender script. And this is something that we do with our lender. Yeah. And he might, and, and I think your brother would be down with this, you know, because he's your brother. I would have to imagine he'd be <laughs> cool with that. Um is uh it, it's what i call the golden the the golden alley-oop uh-huh and the, the golden alley-oop is this is that um so um when you and i'll just pretend that you're you're the lender yeah um and and so when uh when you meet todd you'll realize that what i'm about to say is 100 percent true todd is a really really fantastic guy everybody loves him and i just know you will too that's it. That's the golden alley-oop because That's awesome. the second part of the script is that the lender will be like, Hey, before we jump in to doing all of the lending stuff, I just wanted yeah. to commend you on your choice of real estate agents. David Torgerson is the most amazing real estate agent that I've had the opportunity to work with my long career in lending. I just absolutely love David. Everybody loves David. And, and I, I know you will too. Good job. Good choice. That's it. Yeah. That's the whole script. That's it. Um, pat on the back. Now let's talk, dive into the finances. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and the reason for that is, is that um, at that point, you basically dug a deep wide moat yeah. around any other real estate agent being able to get to that client right. or their friend saying, oh, well, you really should use Joe Blow. Because yeah. Joe Blow is who we bought our house through, and he's a really nice guy. And they're right. like, well, I don't know. That doesn't sound as convincing as the other stuff that I just heard where everybody loves him, and I I will too. Yeah. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, it sounds like overall, like you're pretty, you're, you're pretty optimistic about the market. Uh, you know, dude, it's going to be great for those that apply themselves. Yeah. I mean, really, the attitude has to be do whatever it takes, um, you know, in, in, it, it let's let's embrace it it's gonna like it's gonna be hard work there's gonna be tears but it's just like going to the gym 
you know, it's, you're going to have to push yourself. You're going to have to exert yourself. Um, but at the end, the results will be worth it. Yeah. So. Amen, brother. Um, uh, we're in about two hours. Oof, doggy. Total. So, um, anything else that you wanted to, to talk about? Uh, no, any, I don't. Got anything exciting that you want to plug? I, you know, I mean, I, if you always need, if you want help, and feel free to reach out to me. I'm a, I'm a, I am a transparent, I guess, hundred percent, you know, here's my playbook. In fact, um, I actually made a, a, a book that, uh, I created a little booklet that was like, that was what I wish I knew when I first got into real estate. And, and so I'll like, I give it to like all new agents that I meet. I've got like, I carry this like little PDF booklet. It's only like 20 pages, but it's got like scripts in there, um, and different things. And so, you know, when you, when you go to, if you publish this one, if it, if you deem it worthy of putting on the internet, I'll give you a, a link to it. So it's like a free download that people can get. Yeah. Um, send send me the, yeah. Send me the link and we'll, we'll connect it with all the stuff that we'll have on, on the Sounds podcast. Good. Yeah. 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 I mean, the only other thing that I'd say is, um, you know, choosing which brokerage you work at truly will has the velocity or the, or the trajectory to set you apart on your success um, that's out there. I know a lot of people want to be like, oh, I'll keep everything brokerage agnostic um, with things that are there. But I've been at several brokerages and I had my own brokerage. Um, and I'll tell you, the best decision that I ever made, David, was joining EXP. Yep. Um, with it. it, it truly is like, I, I mean, I, I, I have been more profitable in my last three years with EXP than I was in my first 15 or 16 years w- without, without EXP. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, and it was the best decision I've ever made better than owning real estate, um, properties and different things. And, and for, for many reasons, but it uh, gives me the freedom to work without and, and be compensated in many different ways. So well, but I don't, give, don't want to dog. You, no, man, this is not a brokerage agnostic podcast, dude. Okay. <laughs> this is a, yeah, this, the, the whole intention of this thing. Why did we wait that, so long? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Now, the whole intention of the podcast is that, you know, real estate agents, you know, and consumers like get the opportunity to see, you know, the stuff that we actually talk about, not sure. not like the, you know, severely automated, you know, like, well, today, you know, we're going to be talking with right. Todd Watkins and Todd Watkins is a pioneer to really inventive way. Isn't it amazing? Uh, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. No, I right, got gotcha. you. Right. And it's yeah. not broker agnostic because the, the everything that you said, I will... I mean, I'm I'm not going to steal your thunder, and so I I will only just say this is that ditto. Yeah, everything yeah. everything about the brokerage I will completely agree with. Changed my I mean, life forever. Yeah, if you want more freedom, if you want want to make more money, and uh, at the same time, yeah, freedom and more money at the same time, and uh, you know, be able to be an actual owner in the company. You know, I mean, that's just, anyways, I, I, it's a, uh, I don't know how deep we want to dive into it or not with it, but you know, I mean, you can earn stock in the company, you can earn yeah. lifetime referral fees in the company. It's, it's, uh, well, the way that it works, it's like getting all of the benefits of having investment properties without having actual right. investment properties. It really is. It truly is. And, uh, I enjoy the passive income, um, real nicely. Yeah. When, so that's, this is how I met you. I wouldn't have met you otherwise. Absolutely. We wouldn't have. I mean, it, and honestly, you get to meet cool people like David. 
So um, from it, 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 it really is. So, I mean, there's a lot of great things that are out there um, where, you know, I've met some huge producers and it's helped my business because, you know, high tides rise all boats. And by aligning yourself with the cream of the crop, it's going to force you to be better as well. Yeah. Yep. Which is great because all I can do is go up. <laughs> I'm right there with oh, you. I'm right yeah. there with you. Yeah. The more, the more I learn, the more I realize exactly that I, 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 I know, dude, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. 20 years uh, in is, and still, it, still humbling. So. Yeah, for sure. It, when this is something cool, I wanted to share with you um, and, and everybody that's watching too, is that um, just the other day I was PMing with Glenn Sanford. And so nice. for the people that were wa that are watching, um, uh, Glenn Sanford is the CEO and founder of uh, EXP Realty. Right. It's kind of a big deal. Um, and uh, I had a question and somebody had suggested, they were like, that's a really good question for either Dave Kinnord, the president of the company, or Glenn, uh, you know, the CEO and founder. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I guess I'll just reach out and PM him. Yeah. And I had a, I had, I had a, a, a nice exchange with the freaking founder and CEO of the company, just like I was talking to you, Todd. Yeah. It's crazy. Awesome. I love this. No, um, it is. I mean, it, it really is because like with, I think because everybody is an owner in the company, which mm -hmm. means the better the company does, the better the stock does, the better the stock does, the better we all do. And it has truly created a culture that I always strive to obtain for my brokerage and with my real estate teams that I've had where, yeah. because I mean, they will just give you the, the, the shirt off their back. I mean, they will do whatever they will share anything and everything with you um, to, to help you succeed. Yep. It's true. Yeah. I think that's a great place to end it. Perfect, man. This right has on, been dude. great. Yeah. I, I always love it. getting together and chatting with you, dude. It's awesome. So yeah. it's, it's great yeah. to chat with some down, down to earth peeps. Yep. Likewise. Yep. So um, if anybody wants any more information on the realist real estate agent podcast, or that you want to get on and be interviewed by me and maybe somebody else, maybe we'll even get Todd on. We'll do like a double interview. Let's do um, it. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, all my information is down below. You can find it easily. And uh, we post these every, I believe it's every Wednesday and Saturday is what we've decided to do. So thank you. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate hey, it, man. Thanks for letting me be on. This was great. Bye-bye.